Lord, I pray that we would not be like those in that drama who day after day, maybe through ignorance or through arrogance or through stupidity, refuse or deny our genuine needs or the goodness of our God. God, give us wisdom this morning. We ask you for it. We come before you for it, Lord. We are like birds in the nest. And we ask you to feed us, to guide us, to lead us. Particularly this morning, God, we ask in concern to blessings and curses. In Jesus' name. Amen. I had this guy who got saved in our church. And he came to me one day and he said, I want to know the Bible. He's just born again. I want to be able to, 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 to study the scriptures, to open up the scriptures. Where do I begin? Guide me. Help me. So I said, okay, let me think about it. And I thought about it for a little while. And I met the guy again and I said to him, do you know what you need to do? I brought some books in with me. In fact, I brought these very two books here. I said, he's a brand new believer. I said, a good place to start is not with a commentary. Because commentaries can be a little bit presumptuous, you know. They presume you know stuff you don't know. And you open up a big thick commentary and, you know, I don't know about you, but I can't make head nor tail of it. So personally, I like children's books. In fact, at this time, I had just finished a whole tour of all the books in the Bible. And I began with this children's books. There's lots of pictures in it and all that kind of stuff. So I said to him, forget about the pictures. Just there's information in here that in big, thick commentaries, they presume you know, but you don't, you see. So if you're always digging in the wrong place, you're never going to have any foundation in your life. So my advice is start real simple. And then get something like a layman's overview. And just begin to build on that. And then if you need to, you know, later you can start looking at commentaries and things like that. Well, he was delighted. And off he went with his books under his arm thinking, great! Two or three weeks go by, and the man comes in to the church, walking down the aisle, led by his wife. And she's in front, and she's got my books under her arm, with a scowl on her face. And she comes up to me, and she says, <laughs> we don't need these, thank you. I oh, okay. And off they went. And I thought, well, what have I done? And it didn't take me long to figure it out. Oh, I see. <laughs> You didn't like the children's book, is it? Felt insulted, was it? They were friends of ours, actually. It wasn't very long before that guy wasn't going to any church. He backslid. His wife kept on going, but he just completely backslid. He needed to start somewhere, and he just wasn't willing, or she wasn't willing to do that. We can't afford to be pompous or bombastic in life, particularly about scriptural things or the Bible, we need to start where we need to start. We need to start where it's at. And nowhere more important than today's topic, which is blessings and, and curses, this is a classic. This is a classic, two classic things, blessings and curses, where you can miss it. You can spend your whole life barking up the wrong tree just because of not starting in the right place or thinking, I already know that when you don't. And, and recently, in my recent past, I've, I mean, God's revealed stuff about the blessing of God that I, no one ever told me. And we, 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 we really need these things. I want to start simple this morning. 
with four simple questions. What is a blessing anyway? What is a blessing? What is a curse? How do I walk in blessing? And how do I break a curse? Four simple questions. Turn to Genesis to begin with. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27. And we'll see the origin, verse 26. We'll see the origin of blessing. Genesis 1, 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Here it comes, verse 28. God blessed them and said to them, and here he goes, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air over every living creature that moves along the ground. First question is, what is a blessing? Well, a blessing is most often a spoken empowerment, normally by one who is greater upon one who is lesser. A blessing is most often a spoken empowerment from one who is greater upon one who is lesser. An empowerment too. To do what? Well, here you go. God said, it says right there, so God spoke and God said and he blessed them to be fruitful, to increase, to subdue the earth, to rule and to reign. They were the blessings that God placed right there upon Adam and upon Eve. Now, if you know, you know, the Hebrew word for salvation, simply the word salvation has got four meanings to it. There's four elements to salvation, which is righteousness, prosperity, healing, and deliverance. And you can see that what Adam had prior to the fall was actually the same thing by another name. I mean, to be fruitful is life. And that's what righteousness gives us. It's the life of Christ. To to increase, that's prosperity. Adam was given full, unquestionable prosperity. To subdue, well, you see, if a sickness came into your body, you could say, out you get. You could subdue that sickness. You could rule over it in your body. Or to rule the earth, well, that's deliverance. So you could take authority over any demon that came near you. You could drive demons or anything else away. So the first and most important point, friends, is this, for you to get all blessings. Don't spend your life running after blessings. It's the wrong place to start. All blessings come from the blessing. All blessings, sing, uh, plural, come from the blessing that God placed back there upon mankind, upon Adam. And it's not very difficult to see, if you look at people's lives, you can see whether they're living under the blessing or whether they're living under the curse. If someone is truly moving in the blessing of God, what will you see in their life? You will see victory, health, fertility, prosperity, and the favor of God. The best of the lot, I think, the last one. The favor of God. If someone is not moving in the blessing, then automatically, really, you're under the curse. 
because there's no other place to be. And so you'll see failure, failure upon failure upon failure. You'll see sickness, you'll see infertility, and that goes for everything, business, life, family life, everything. Infertility, you'll see poverty, and worst of all, you'll see God's disfavor upon your life. You see, just, I mean, think about the big picture before you start getting really specific. Think about the big picture and what God's plan was for you. What God's plan was for mankind. God made the world. He put man in it. And he said, I'm giving that to you. Here's the earth and I'm giving it to you for you to live on, for you to rule and for you to reign. Now, you know the story. Adam lost his way. God gave Adam the power to subdue that snake in that garden the biggest mistake he made he didn't subdue the snake he had it and when that snake began to come hey get out that's all he had to do he had the authority he had the power upon him but he never used it and you who are born again you who know the Lord God places his authority, he places his power, he places that dominion, back, wants to get it back onto your shoulders. But you too must learn to exercise it. We ran a drop-in center for heroin addicts in Dublin. And we were having a lot of difficulty with the local police. The police would come in and annoy us and bother us. They were trying to do their job, but we were trying to do ours. So I went to the local sergeant and I befriended him and he was a very good guy. He came, had a look at our work and he said, okay, I'll get my guys to leave you alone. And we'll, if we want to arrest someone, we'll get them when they're out on the street, we'll leave your premises be. And anyway, actually, they weren't allowed to come into our premises without due cause, you know. They had to have a reason. And people kept on telling me that, you know, that I'm actually allowed to put them out. But you know what it's like, you don't want to put policemen out of your building. <laughs> so this one day, I've got this guy, I want him, they want him. You see, I want to help this guy. They want to lock him up. And these two rookies, I'd never seen them before. They walk in. Oh, no, I know, I know you're going to try and take this guy. And I just thought, you know what? I'm going to try it out. I mean, I know their boss. I'm going to give it a go. So they were walking in and they started talking to this guy. So, excuse me, could you get out, please? Oh, heartbeat, heartbeat. <laughs> could you get out of the building? And they looked. I said, just out of the building, please. And they just took a few steps back. I said, I was talking to Phil. Call him Phil, the sergeant, you know. <laughs> I was talking to Phil, and we have made an agreement that you guys are not supposed to hassle us. Do you want that guy? You can get him when he comes out. And they were going, okay, okay, okay. I said, all right. I felt like saying, if I see you around here again, I'm going to arrest you. <laughs> but I didn't say that. <laughs> to my shock, these two lads started walking down the street like whipped dogs, you know. I thought, goodness me, this thing works. Right? Adam in the Garden of Eden had authority. His biggest mistake was that he didn't use it. He didn't drive that snake out. He could have done that. Remember, Adam is a type of Christ. Okay? So he's got rule, he's got dominion, he's got authority and power in that garden. So just like he's, it's, Jesus is the last Adam, he's the first Adam. So he, it's the, the, there's a lot of similarities here. Remember Jesus when there was a storm and he was on, in the boat and he said, be still. And the storm still. Well, that's what Adam was like. Adam had power. Adam had rule. Now, creation hadn't fallen yet, so there wouldn't have been a storm in the Garden of Eden. But if there had been, Adam could have said, be still. Adam had power. 
Adam had rule. Adam had dominion. Right? He was the king, if you like, of the earth. We've got the king of kings here. And he put him on the earth. He gave him the earth. The highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to you, to man. And God's plan was always to come and live in our house. We were never going anywhere. It's a fairy tale. God intends to move in here. He still does, by the way. He's still coming. That's right. We need to get ready for it. Yes. So you can see the magnitude then of what Adam lost, right? When he sinned, that blessing turned into a curse. And everything changed in his life. By the way, you read your New Testament, you're not going to make much sense of it. <laughs> because the vast majority of your New Testament is talking about what? The blessing. The promise. The inheritance. And it's all wrapped up in Adam and Abraham and in Christ. And you'll never be able to unravel that scripture unless you see these truths and see that they are yours. That that blessing that was on him is supposed to be on us and we operate in it by faith. See, God rested on the seventh day. And do you know why? Because he was exhausted. Oh, no. <laughs> He rested on the seventh day because he had nothing to do with the earth. The earth he has given to man. He had no further role, if you like, in that sense. It's yours. I'm giving it to you. You rule. You subdue. You look after the flocks of the field. And so God stepped back from it. But as I say, we know the story. Adam sinned and he turned that blessing into a curse. Now, God steps back, but he's still got this blessing. And here's the world turning. He's a good God, you know. God steps back and he wants to get this, black, this blessing back into the human race. So do you know what he's looking for? It takes 2,000 years. There's Adam and all his descendants and all this time, God is looking at the world and he's waiting for a man. He's waiting for a man who would believe that he was good. Fallen nature, see? Problem. Fallen nature, head down, nothing but a sinner. Woe is me, hide under the table, back in the bush where Adam was. Can't believe in a good God. Can't somehow believe in a magnificent God of blessing. Never me, won't come to me. Takes 2,000 years. And then enter the scene, Abraham. And Abraham... It's the first guy to come along who actually says in his heart, I believe that God is bigger than my sin. I believe that God can handle my sin and still bless me. And you know, again, the story, it's famous. Abraham is called the father of many nations, claimed by the Muslims, by the Jews, by the Christians. And, you know, rightly so. So God cuts a new covenant with Abraham. The one that Adam lost, the blessing Adam lost. God comes back and he pulls Abraham out and he says, right, I'm going to start again. And it's called the blessing of Abraham actually from this point on. And God blesses Abraham and Abraham becomes a, a conduit, a vehicle for this, the blessing. Abraham becomes a vehicle for that blessing into the Jews as we know. But ultimately until Christ comes and then through Christ, this great blessing comes to all those who turn to him, Jew or Gentile. Key scriptures, turn to the book of Galatians. 
This is one you need to mark in your Bible. The book of Galatians chapter 3 and verses, I'll read verse 13. Galatians 3.13 Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us. Look at, the, look at verse 14. He redeemed us in order that, in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. The most important words there, folks, are the words, so that. So that. Christ redeemed us so that the blessing might come to us. God is looking for the same thing today. He's looking for you simply to believe in Him as a good God, as a good Father who wants to set you free, wants to bless you in this world, to bless you in this life. Do you know how I see it? Look at me, listen. Do you know how I see it? This problem you have with being blessed? It's a bit like this. Imagine there's a boy and it's his birthday. And his mum sets a big banqueting table and has it all laid out in the finest of fare. And there's a big muddy pool outside the house. And the, the mum takes him and he, he, she dresses her son all up in, in, in fine clothes. And she says, right, later on today, there's going to be a banquet just for you. Now, whatever you do, don't get in that mud. So, in the mud, the boy goes. And the mum is furious. The mum is angry. Get out of the mud. I told you about, the, what about the bank? What about the blessing I prepared for? Oh, come here. So she takes him upstairs. She washes his clothes. She cleanses her son. She dresses him again. And the boy starts to, oh, mommy, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for what I did. And the mum says, yes, 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 that's okay. No, but I am sorry. Yeah, I know. That's okay. You're all washed now. We're going to go to the table. But mom, I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard you. <laughs> now let's just get away from the mud a moment and let's get to the blessing. Let's just forget about that one second and let's just move on. But I can't. So the, all the boy's friends come. And they all sit around the table. And the boy sits crying at his own birthday, unable to receive the blessing because he's unable to get his focus off sin within himself. That's the fallen nature. And that's why it took 2,000 long years for God to find someone who was able to see him as a good God. God is a good God. He redeemed, look at me, listen to me, it's very important. He redeemed you so that he could bless you. Did you get it? You were redeemed so that it wasn't about the sin. Of course it was. Of course he died for the sin. But the point of Galatians, and it's a crowning point from Paul. Don't you realize that God is a good God? He's nowhere near focused on sin as you are. And I believe we've got an imbalance in our culture, you know. If I could just go back a few slides there, Chinadu. Or where was it? See the, the four parts of the gospel? See this, righteousness, prosperity, healing, and deliverance? I believe a lot of our preaching fo focuses on righteousness. 
I'm, amen, fine, focus sin and righteousness. But we need to balance our preaching, friends, to the full gospel. You need to say amen there, by the way. We need to balance our preaching to the full gospel. And you need to hear just as much about prosperity because that's what the Bible teaches. And right through your New Testament, you will see that the Apostle Paul tries to drive home to you the nature of this blessing that you're missing. And he's trying to encourage us to have faith in this good God. To remember Father Abraham. Whether it's Romans or Galatians or Ephesians, it's all the same. Don't you realize what God is trying to get to you? He redeemed you so that you would rule, you would reign on the face of this earth. Which is your life, friend? Is it typically a life of blessing? Do you see victory, health, fertility, prosperity? Or do you see evidences of the curse? Because it does not have to be. So, a little bit then about blessings and curses. Do you know that you can prosper under the curse just as well as you can prosper under the blessing? Many people prosper greatly under the curse. The Bible has a lot to say about that. God warns us. He says, don't fret. (laughs) Don't fret when the wicked prosper. It's all right. Don't be fooled. When the wicked man succeeds in his way, don't be fooled, you know, because it's empty. That type of wealth, that type of prosperity is empty. Money can buy you a big house, but not a home. Money may attract a husband or a wife, but not love. You may have children, but no honor in your home. Read Ecclesiastes, where Solomon talks about the wealth of the world and the wealth that God brings. In Proverbs 10, it says this, The blessing of the Lord makes a man rich and brings no trouble with it. That's the sort of blessing we want. And you can read Psalms and Proverbs all the way through, and you will see how it warns about the wealth of the world. Do you know what, friends? You don't need or want ill-gotten gain. Amen. You really don't. Because ill-gotten gain brings with it the nature of its source. It, 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 it will become what you are, and you do become that. That's what the Bible warns about, about ill-gotten gains or whatever, right through Proverbs. You end up, as Solomon says, despising everything because the source of it was wrong, the root of it was wrong. Stay within the blessing. Yes, they do prosper under the curse, but God advises us not to go anywhere near that and don't be fooled by it. So our question, what is a blessing? A blessing is most often a spoken empowerment over you by someone greater than you. In this case, it's God over mankind. What is a curse? Well, a curse is everything that's not blessed. (laughs) I was in a pastor's meeting once and someone asked that question. They said, what is a curse? And one of the pastors tentatively put his hand up and said, everything that's not blessed. And everybody laughed at him. But I remember thinking, that's exactly it. That's bullseye. That's exactly what it is. If it's not blessed, it is cursed. Right? Right? It's not blessed, it is cursed. Now, to more or less degrees. There's varying degrees of curse, varying degrees of damage you can see, whether it's nations or people. But nonetheless, if something is not blessed, no matter how glorious you may think it is, it's still not under the blessing, so therefore it's cursed. How do you and I, you can see the path then. Adam lost the blessing. In the Garden of Eden, 
Abraham, God waited for someone who would believe that he was a good God. That someone who would believe that he was bigger than their sin. Someone who would be able to get their focus off themselves and onto the original plan, which was rulership, dominion. By who? By you. Your dominion on the face of the earth. In the book of Acts, the church was social services. The church was to have dominion on the face of the earth. That's the original plan. I mean, prosperity? You're talking about prosperity with a capital P. That was the plan, that God would bless his people. Abraham was so blessed. Isaac was so blessed that the nations had to say, get out of our country. You will bankrupt us. Right? You get the picture? They were supposed to be blessed and rule and reign. And so are we. It's your task. It's your job. It's the original plan. So what, what, how does the devil confuse us? Well, just talk about sin. Just come to church every Sunday and I'll tell you how much of a sinner you are. And you won't have enough faith to raise your head. And so we never enter into the blessing of God. We need to preach a balanced gospel. And different things set different people free. If I come to church and I've got cancer, I don't particularly want to hear a sermon on sin. I want to hear a sermon on healing. If I'm broke and I've got no money, do you know what? Prosperity is very good news to me. Because I just can't seem to cut it. If my son or my daughter's got a demon and I've blocked them in a room, and I, can't, I know because I worked in a mental hospital, and you just can't cope with it, do you know what? Would you tell me that there's someone who can set my child free? Because that's the good news for me. And I'll turn to that God. And I'll follow that God. So Jesus brought all these four things right through his ministry. That's why he did the signs, right? So that people would believe. And I ask you, assess your own gospel in your own heart. Are you hiding under the bush like Adam? Because it took a long time before God could find someone who wasn't. Next question. How do we increase this blessing then? What do I do? How can I live in a way that increases this blessing on my life? Well, first of all, we've got to understand it like we're doing right now. We've got to go back to basics, back to the beginning and see that there is a great blessing there. Secondly, you've got to be able to lift your head. He is my redeemer and the lifter of my head. You've got to be able to come out and accept forgiveness, come under the blood, and accept that God wants to bless you. He wants you to go to that party, as it were. He wants you to go to that table and sit. Right? He brought me to his banqueting table. You need to educate yourself. Go back into scriptures and look at the, the, you know, the letter to the Romans or Galatians, particularly Galatians, it's full of the apostles' teaching to you. Full of their teaching to you to try and get you to understand these simple things. Because they are simple, <laughs> but nobody ever tells you, because it's important. It's important. Just get your head stuck in a big, thick commentary that you can't make head or tail of. But the simple truths are so often the ones that, that, that rob us. So true, isn't it? So, so true. Educate yourself, and I warn you, you're going to have to fight for it. Has God given you a vision for your life? Has God given you a dream or a hope or a plan? Most often when God does those things, they're a bit, they can be a bit wacky, you know, when you get them. Because <laughs> he, he has no hesitation 
about talking in generations. God spoke to Abraham with a 99-year-old wife or whatever it was and said, right, now we're going to have a child. And God didn't talk about Abraham. God talks about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, stars, sand. He talks about the whole thing. Can you imagine how difficult that is to take in? But he makes no apologies for it. God talks in generations, in leaps and bounds. Sometimes that can be very difficult for us to get our head around. <laughs> because you need to think about it, friend. Has God given you a dream? And what was that dream? What was that vision? Sometimes it's impossible. Sometimes the dream you have makes no sense at all. You think that's ridiculous, God. Absolute, that's normally the one from God. So what do you do with that? Well, you can't fulfill it without the blessing. Do you know, listen carefully to this point. Adam, with the blessing, was the king of the earth. Adam, without the blessing, was hiding under a tree. Adam, with the blessing, was the ruler of the whole earth. And everything, and everything in it. Adam, without the blessing, has gone into hiding. You see the point? He couldn't even look after his own back garden. So you see the point? Whatever the dream is in your life, whatever the vision is in your life, you need the blessing to achieve it. Because only through that, when God gives it, you will need to believe that he is good, that he is your equipper, the one who is going to empower you to achieve that goal. By the way, it doesn't make you popular. Those who see themselves as blessed are often get a very rough time in the church. The devil will probably leave you alone because the church will mess you up enough. Don't like people talking about being blessed. Many people hate that kind of thing. It's a long biblical tradition here. Remember Joseph? Joseph got a little bit of an inkling that he was blessed. You know, I know he was a bit clumsy. Maybe a little ahead of his time. But Joseph knew. I'm blessed, I am. And he had a dream that was absurd. In fact, in a tribal society, his dream was an utter disgrace. He'd be stoned to death for saying something like that. My father will bow down to me and all my... Oh, I don't think so, Joseph. <laughs> get rid of him now. Once again, it's a dream that's absurd, but Joseph, it took time to unfold. And Joseph needed the blessing of God upon him. Not popular in the church. Look at David. David was the same thing. I have no doubt that David, as a young man, was set apart for God. He knew at an early age of his kingly nature, David would have known I'm different, would have known there was a blessing upon him. Do you know why? Because they didn't, said they didn't have a good word to say about him. They all hang around together fine, but get David out of here. See? So not only did David know he was blessed, everybody around him knew he was blessed. You see? David was set apart from a young age unto God and it made him very unpopular in the house of God. I'm just warning you, friends, because once you start to move into blessing, unfortunately, you will find that there's lots of grief that comes with that, particularly in churches. Hopefully not here, because I think we've got a pretty good balance on these things and keep working on it, but I, I hope we do. I think we do. But be aware of it. How do we increase the blessing? Or how do you increase the curse on your life? Well, very simple points, but nonetheless, they need mentioning. By tithing, you need to tithe, you need to be a giver. 
And God promises, great, great promises attached in the scriptures to your giving. So you can increase the, the blessing of God in your life by tithing. <laughs> I could tell you a few stories about that. I'm dealing with someone at the moment who is utterly bankrupt. And I have, <laughs> I have told this person umpteen times, do you tithe? No. <laughs> I can't afford to. You can't afford not to. And the months go by, the years go by, and you go back and you say, when are you going to start tithing? Can't afford to. Bankrupt. You can bring on, add to the blessing of God in your life through tithing, or you can diminish that by not tithing. By speaking positive, speaking positively over yourself, speaking positively about your own future, or you can take away from the blessing of God by cursing yourself through your speech. And all these things, remember, you know, re remain balanced. We're blessed, by the way, about tithing. We're blessed to be a blessing. Okay? Now, the, unfortunately, the church has got a nasty habit of liking one part of that statement or the other. Some people, all they'll ever say is, I'm blessed. And some people, every time they hear you're blessed, they want to, ah, but you're blessed to be a blessing. <laughs> you know? You need to get that out of your heart, friend. Because you do, obviously don't understand. You are blessed, amen, to be a blessing, amen. Remember, if you don't know, you can go on our website actually and you can find a series there on prosperity, which will, which will bring out that point. It's a very important point. Christians are supposed to increase in wealth. Paul says that as you give, God will increase your store, increase the provision. So the more we give, the more God gives to us, the more you are blessed. We're supposed to rule, hello. We're supposed to reign. We're supposed to be that source in the earth, right? So don't be afraid of that. We are blessed to be a blessing. Hold them in equal standing. Don't be afraid of either one. Don't exalt one over the other. God is not radical. You know, people always think God's radical. He's one extreme or other. God is not an extremist. Believe me, He is not. The Bible says the wise man avoids all extremes. So don't focus on just the blessing and don't focus on just the giving bit. Accept both and you will prosper correctly in the blessing of God. If God was an extremist, do you know what he would do? Finish the earth today. Just wipe everybody out. That'd be radical, wouldn't it? If God was radical, do you know what he'd do? Save the whole world. Just save everyone. But he's not. The more you study it, the more you look at it, you realize actually God walks a middle ground. He keeps a balance in all things. And therein lies God's eventual success. Never seems like that to me because I, I can be in my natural nature. I'm a radical. And over time, I've seen the failure of things I've tried to do with that attitude and it just doesn't work. I need balance in my life. The wise man avoids all extremes. So, you can increase the blessing on your life with tithing by speaking positively about yourself. Don't curse yourself. Don't speak negatively about yourself. By renewing your mind and changing your thinking to line up with the scriptures and the things that God says he wants to get to you and through you. You can increase the blessing by keeping good company. Bad company corrupts good character. You can increase the blessing by making sure that your home 
doesn't have any cursed items within it. We had a woman in our church and she was a bit strange. She was odd. And I think she was kind of asking us for help and I don't know what we did. I, we got invited up there for dinner one night and took a friend up with me. I got in and I, I thought, man, this woman's weird, you know. And we got in there, we got into her living room and she had two bookcases either side of the fireplace and they were packed with books. I thought, praise God, she obviously, I presume they were Christian. So, you know, she obviously does lots of reading. And she goes to make a cup of tea, and I start going along the titles. <laughs> Every one is about murder. And I'm thinking, goodness me. So she comes back in. I'm getting a bit frightened, to be honest, you know. <laughs> so she comes back in, and I say, I see, your, I see your book collection. And with great pride, she says, oh, they're not just ornaments. I've read every single one. I was really frightened then, yeah. I've read every single one. It's a hobby of mine. I thought, there's your root. I'm not surprised you're messed up. She was, she was an odd being, not just me, but everybody felt that. If you're going to have that sort of stuff in your house, what sort of life or mindset are you going to have? That's just stupid, right? So watch your home. Go home. I know Pastor Jeff did something on this a while ago, and we had a very big response. Praise God. But watch your home. Educate yourself. You can increase the blessing. Ignorance will kill you. Just not knowing these things will ruin your life, leave you in poverty completely unnecessarily. Next question. How do curses come? We know how blessings come. How do curses come? Well, this might surprise you, but statistically, in the Bible, the number one way that curses come is through God. Statistically, that's just a fact. And God curses by removing His blessings. Simple as that. This is just my opinion, but the second biggest way that curses come, I think, is through our own speech. That we do enough damage to ourselves, really, to give the devil a day off. Just by saying this, or saying that, or saying the other. I've been sick for about three days. I've been coughing and spluttering, and I've been guarding my mouth about what I say. Oh, shit, quiet! Words of power, friends. God spoke, God spoke, God spoke. He makes man in his image. And when man speaks, he speaks so much his reality into being. I've set a watch over the door of my mouth, David said. Watch what you say. I lived with a guy once just for a few months. He, was, he, was, he had been mentally ill and he had been on disability living allowance and that's quite a lot of money they give you, you know. It's a lot higher than the dole, than the social welfare you get. But he had got well again and he was working and things were going fine. In fact, he was buying himself a house and I rented a room off him, and things were going fine. And one day, this bill comes in. It's a bill he can't afford to pay, and he's looking at it, and I think, yeah, it'll be okay, man, it'll be all right. But he starts to get stressed. <laughs> and then I hear him on the phone in the hall, and he's ringing up the hospital to book an appointment to see a psychiatrist to get himself back on the disability allowance register to get the money. And he came in, I said, hey, 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 hey. Don't do... Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not well. You're fine. If I thought you weren't well, I would say to you not to do that. I would be the first to take you down and see a nurse if that's what you need to help you. But I do not believe that in your case. And as you spoke on that phone, my friend, you declared yourself sick. Now, if you declare yourself sick, what are you going to be? Sick. sick. So you've got to watch your words. God can cry and get all the blessing in the, in the world to you, 
But because of your, 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 your mind, because you're set up just to talk negatively, you'll be cursing yourself and undoing any good he tries to get to you. And lastly, of course, the devil. The devil is a source of cursing through Satanists or whatever. Don't let these things frighten you or scare you. That's not what it's about. Remember, God is on the throne. God is in charge. And you will have probably heard a thousand times that the devil's on a lead. Well, the devil is on a lead. It's absolutely true. The scripture says this, that, well, many, many things in John particularly, that he can't just attack you. The devil can't just come and jump on you and wreck your life. Can't just do that, I'm afraid. There's still legalities, even though it may seem that there's not. And I can understand people thinking there's not, because the world can be very confusing. But there are legalities here. Mike Tyson punched someone in a restaurant in New York and got arrested. Imagine Mike Tyson, who gets paid millions for punching people, punches a guy and gets arrested for it. Why? Because there's legalities, that's why. Inside the ring, he's allowed to do that. Within the remit, he has legal right to do that. But outside of the ring, he's not allowed to do that. And so it is with us and God. There is protection, you know, under the blessing of God. It's all through Scripture. God promises us many, many things. The Scripture says that the devil prowls like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. So he doesn't have automatic rights, seeking who he may devour. And if we live within the blessing of God, there is a protection that's afforded to us. Last and most important slide is this. This is the story of the people of Israel who God so wanted to bless. And it's also maybe your story too. God blessed them. God made a covenant with them. God gave them grace and the grace and the power to live by. He empowered them, anointed them, chose them. But they went seriously wrong. They sinned against God. They set up false idols, etc., etc. And then what happens to them or to you when you come out of the grace of God, when you no longer function under the blessing of God, what happens to us is a thing called faithfulness. And faithfulness is never good. When God is being faithful towards us, it's a sad day. Because we should never end up in that place. You do marriage counseling, you know, you go in and a couple have arguments with one another or something. And so often, one of them will sit there and say, well, I'm here, aren't I? I'm still here, aren't I? Faithful, ain't I? Nah. There's a bit more to it than that, right? But sad thing, you see, God can be faithful and is faithful to us, but that's not what it's about. I remember a pastor coming in, we were having our pastor's meeting in Ireland one day, and this pastor came in and he was very upset about something, and I didn't know what. We were just about to start our meeting. I said, are you okay? Yes. <laughs> are you okay? What's wrong? I'm fine. I'm here, am I? Something wrong, see? When someone's being just faithful, there's something wrong. And so it is with your relationship with God. God doesn't want you just to turn up on Sunday and have... A, it's about love, isn't it? It's about a living and active love. That's what it's about. And that's what this bit is. The grace and the blessing. But unfortunately, Israel and us, we go wrong. And when you step outside of the ring, 
It's not like God in his goodness, he is faithful. There is a thing called faithfulness. So we're not like slammed on the first day, but you could be. You could be. So God's very patient, he's very kind, very understanding. But ultimately, if you continue to sin and to go wrong and to ignore God, you will not continue in faithfulness because God couldn't do that. He wouldn't be a righteous judge if he did. And so you end up in a place called judgment or back onto the curse that he brought you out from. Can, Chris, can Christians have curses? Of course you can come under curses in every way, shape, and form. Right? Just simply by not living right, by not re remaining and staying under the blessing of your God. And so Israel went around and around and around this circle to this very day. And still today, God's arms are open wide for Israel, but they don't seem to get it. No matter what happens, judgment, did judgment ever come to Israel? Did judgment ever come to the Jews? And yet it's, it's shocking, you know, they need revelation. Don't let these things frighten you, but I hope it clears the fog about what a blessing is and what a, a curse is. Concentrate on bringing yourself under the blessing of God. And I would say to you, don't leave this place and go out and study ley lines and crystals and goodness knows what. Don't be wise about evil. Be wise about good. Donnie gave us a cracking teaching on Wednesday night on that very point. I'm from Philippians. Be wise about what is pure. Think on what is holy. Be wise on these things. And, you know, I've done some study, obviously, in blessings and curses. I haven't specialized in curses. This is a very good book here, a very famous book, Blessings and Curses by Derek Prince. But I just skimmed through it because there's a lot about curses. I don't need to know that. If I encounter a curse in my life that is stopping me, I'll go and find out about it. But until then, I'll find out about the blessing. Thank you. Be wise about what is good. I've seen many people, and I'm sure you have too, and they become experts in evil, and they look evil, right? <laughs> they become experts in breaking curses, and they look cursed. Their life ends up a mess. You were told not to do that. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. Some people are in deliverance ministry. Some people are absolutely, amen. I fully understand that. I'm making a general statement to a general crowd. For the most part, I don't want to know about the devil's tactics and everything else. I will simply focus on God. I will focus on being that king on the earth who operates under the blessing of God. I need to see him as good. I need to get my head up and believe in him as a loving heavenly father who wants to re-engage me with the original game plan. Amen. And that, folks, because of our religious nature, it takes a bit of work. I'll have the worship team back. What we'll do right now, if you stay seated just one moment, I'm going to ask you, just remain in your seats unless you feel that this is something that you have completely missed. Because that's me, friends. If you feel that, that this particular topic of walking in the favor and the goodness of your God is something that you have missed in your life and you want to start again. You want to say, Daddy, I'm sorry for the way I have thought about you. You're bigger than my sin. 
and you can cope with me. Help me to receive that today. Whatever that blessing is, I avail myself for it. If that's you, just stand up in your seat. Just stand up and I will pray a general prayer over you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. A blessing is most often a spoken empowerment. And that's what I'm going to do right now. Lord, I pray for each one who is on their feet in this place. And Lord, we speak the blessing of God down upon their lives that everything that stops you, Lord, would be removed right now, whether it's in our speech, in our thought life, in our, in, in, in our everyday life, wherever it is, God. We ask you for the grace and mercy of God to reach us here and now. Set each one free. We pray the blessing of Abraham to come fully upon them all. God, forgive us for missing it by such a wide mark. And we want to declare, God, that we believe that you're good. We believe that you're a good, 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 good God. Let's all stand. And God, just in this spirit, we place ourselves, we seat ourselves at the banqueting table of our God with a smile on our face, happy to be in your presence.